Ale, so, yeah. ale, ale, ale. Ole, ole. Yes, no. Woo! Are, are soccer? Is, wait, is football going on right now? Did I? Am I missing something? Or is there a match? Football? Yeah. No. Like, like real football. I, Sorry, not, yeah. not American football. Like European style football. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I'm so checked out with sports ball right now. I'm, I'm, dude. Um, the 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 sports ball I'm excited to get into is the beginning of softball season because this is Lex's first year playing softball. Oh, dude, so yes, that's I, about as much as I know sport, what is going. Yeah, my on. my sports are primarily taekwondo and karate at this point for Omar. Uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much what he's doing as well. It's it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Uh, season school. I mean, we're finally back. We're also kind of going into another holiday. There's a holiday coming up on Monday, so I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but at least, oh, you know, Omar's staying here today, uh, tomorrow, and Monday, so he has two days off. It's a four day weekend for him, but obviously only a three day mm-hmm. weekend for me. Yeah. And we're expecting a lot of rain, so yay! Woo! The rain came just in time for the holiday weekend. <laughs> it's great. Hey, everybody! Welcome to a tech podcast. Always, <laughs> always. <laughs> this is this is going to be the theme for today. We were both kind of chatting, like, "Hey, what do you want to talk about today?" And then we just kept getting sidetracked. I feel like this is going to be a show of tangents. Yes. I I suggested a title that really was just I wanted to saying put, this put was a whole podcast. show no, no, about I, ta- I, tangents. I, I, and, uh, I put that in there. Instead, TK you... did the responsible thing and put actual. Titles. Like keyword and searchable things in the title, so that well, people no, like, you know, how to, might how to find this podcast. Those, those, those specific. Sure, ones, I'm sure we'll get yeah. a lot of our QNAP fans and and a lot of our fans that love Porsche design and all of the, all things. You know, rebuilding. <laughs> I, I can't that. promise them we're going to do a good job talking about any of that stuff. I, this is going to be. I'll say this. This is kind of like <laughs> a, a precursor to the chaos that's going to start next week and then carry over to the week after. We are yeah. literally within a week or so, a little over a week uh, away from MWC. It is the Mobile yep. World show that is the show of Mobile World Congress. And um, it's focused on mobile. This is uh, That's where all the manufacturers are going to I mean, we already know Honor is going to have something going on. We already know mm-hmm. Xiaomi is having something going on. We don't, obviously, there's no word about some of the other companies. I haven't heard. But, um, yeah. you know, we know that at least, you know, I know Oppo is going to be there. OnePlus will probably be there as well. They've been there the last couple of years. Um, and we, of course, have uh, some of the other manufacturers. I mean, I'm pretty sure Qualcomm and MediaTek are going to be there. I'm looking forward to seeing yep. those, those two teams. And um, and it's just kind of interesting because, like, in the products that we might be talking about or in the next couple of weeks, don't you feel that some of the way that we've done this year – because a few of these products are actually already out in the wild. You know, we, it, we, it is we a very, agree to embargoes yeah, based yeah. on regions. Yes. And I like, for example, OnePlus. We're uh-huh. very good. We have very good relationships with OnePlus PR. Exactly. I, I, I very much appreciate that they like working with content creators like us. And that means that we're willing to listen to their regional um, embargoes and things like that. But it was mm-hmm. also like, this phone already exists. <laughs> Well, and, and, and there's quite a bit of content, even even in English, on on the on the products that that are. Yeah. Um, it, and and okay, so so to bring kind of the conversation a little bit more up to up to things, we've dealt with these things in the past. It just it hasn't been this large of a gap where a device well, has been there for months, right? Yeah. The the, the initial launches like. Yeah, like at the uh, end of uh, 2023. It was in in November December. of 2023. Yeah, it was in early December. I think that's where the OnePlus 12 came out in China. And then our embargoes were closer to the 
latter part of January and February for mm-hmm. the 12 and 12 R. So yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's not like a massive gap, but some of the things, some of the devices have been released. Yeah. I mean, if you check into the yeah. China market, a lot of the announcements that MWC are already kind of done. Um, and, you know, like maybe you go to one of those fun importing or, you know, reseller sites and yeah. you can already see what some of this info of looks like. Is. Well, so for me, it's more about, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things about the news, but the big thing, the reason why I'm excited about MWC is you get to see the manufacturers from across the world. I'm yeah. talking like, you know, um, uh, Techno. Techno is a brand that I haven't worked with before, but I'm very interested in seeing the advancements. Last year, I saw their foldable at the MediaTek booth. I didn't see it at mm. the, because they launched it, but the MediaTek had a demo over there. And it was actually a pretty decent foldable. And uh, late last year, they released their first clamshell foldable in Singapore roughly a month, literally a month before I went to Singapore for Oppo's foldable, the clamshell foldable. So it was kind of mm. a they're they're stepping it up i mean they're basically the uh, i think they're uh, they're related to infinix but i can't figure out if they're the premium version of infinix or are they just cousins so i i yeah. don't if somebody maybe can help me understand um hey barry hope i hope you guys are doing well so yeah that's the part i'm excited about that's the part i got excited about years ago when we used, when samsung used to have unpacked at mwc like i remember yeah. going to an unpacked um, at MWC, and I think Fisher was there. I think Jaime was there. I want to say you were there, but I don't think we ran into each other, or or I don't know if we saw each other that one night. It was it was the one where they did the Gear VR headset. Hmm. Maybe it was that also when the LG just before. As well. Or it was before. Oh no, no. If Fisher was there, I guess that was just before you came on. Yeah, that might okay. have been. Okay, I was still with XDA at the time. Shortly, uh, shortly after shortly some after. of the major fallout between <laughs> yeah. Samsung PR and Pocket Now. Yes, because Samsung precipitated Fisher leaving Pocket Now. Let me just air all the dirty laundry. Whoa, really? So anyway, uh, right there. I know, right? Like clotheslines and everything. It's going to exactly. rain. No, no. Um, but yeah, so I, the the. I feel MWC is safer mm-hmm. than a lot of the other trade shows that we've been talking about. I still feel like CES is starting to find its footing, but it's still in a very precious position. Yeah. MWC is mobile, even with earlier international launches. There's there's like an idea of that trade show, why you have all these journalists in one space. Exactly. But I still feel that these outlets and these organizations that run these events... You've got to be really careful. You've got to be really careful about like what is it that you bring to the table or what value do you provide having this massive infrastructure and all of these uh, events happening in Barcelona. Um, being able to define what that value is is getting fuzzier and fuzzier. So I, I'm still very anxious. I'm still really excited to see what's going to go down at MWC. I want to see how the show is defined mm-hmm. by the players who do show up. Yeah, I know like Samsung's going to have a presence, but they're not launching anything huge at you MWC. Know, I, 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 so yeah, this I is think... a big opportunity for another company to come in and say like, hey, you already know about this brand's phone. This phone has already been out in China for a while. Someone could walk away with the exciting new at MWC. There's actually a really huge opportunity for Mm -hmm. another player to come in and say like, and now it's our turn and everybody's here. So we've got coverage on something that's actually new, Mm -hmm. not just a phone released 
in a new region that has been out for a couple months in another region. I, like, I think this is a huge opportunity for a Lenovo Moto. This oh, could yeah. be a huge yeah. opportunity for a Sony. Like, mm-hmm. there are all these companies that still haven't really shown off what's going on. That's what I'm really looking forward to see. Does someone really uh, make use of this as an opportunity? Does yeah. someone put a little bit of push behind it? Because now you've got a captive audience of techies kind of hungry for something new. Yeah, no, and I think that's the the point of the show. It's supposed to bring new tech. It's supposed to expose us to ideas, concepts. I mean, last year, OnePlus one up everybody and brought in the OnePlus <laughs> no. 11 uh, water-cooled edition that was yeah. purely a concept well, that never, made, never became I, a thing. I like yeah. that vibe, and I think CES does this really well, too. It can be a place to show off some radical concepts and things like that, but... I don't want us to get so far removed from the consumer-facing conversation. I feel, I feel like there's just a bit of a fog mm-hmm. kicking off 2024 where some of the biggest announcements, some of the big excitement doesn't seem like it's going to sustain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm disappointed how predictable and easy it was to call all of the people that were already going to be returning their Apple mixed reality headsets. Yeah, I, I'm disappointed I, yeah. how easy it was to predict uh-huh. people would need to find fault with OnePlus phones and gin up a controversy that didn't really exist, like no, looking yeah. at camera sensors. I, I just had someone way, uh, reach out to me on Mastodon, uh, mm-hmm. just asking, like, hey, what do you think about this? Uh, Nick, Nick on Mastodon. I don't know if he even catches our, our other streams. Um, but ask me, like, what do you think about this controversy that's brewing with Samsung displays? And you're like, it's it's so frustrating that, like, once the peak day of traffic for something new releasing has already spiked and Google Trends and Google Analytics and Google Algorithms are now burying the sustained conversation, the only thing we have left is, is there drama? Is there is there a controversy? Is there is is there is is there a fail? Can we point to a fail? And you're like, we're we're so hyped on this insane ratcheted novelty that like we never just get to live with these things anymore. And that's where the really interesting conversations happen. Like this big update that's coming for the S24 Ultra is getting buried under stories about, well, when I turn the screen all the way down to its lowest brightness and I take a picture of it with the camera and I boost the brightness of the photo of the camera, the screen looks kind of grainy if it's all one uniform color. I don't like Samsung. Don't make me defend Samsung. (laughs) That is the dumbest controversy well, no, 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 to come in, up with. In a, in a, in a, in a direct manner, um, I mean, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. It, it is a very – we're in the land of now this is where all the skeletons come out kind of a thing. Like, you know, with the honeymoon phase is over. But we shouldn't then, be. Like, no, 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 we shouldn't the honeymoon be. phase? <laughs> there are people who are just getting yeah, their, their, oh, no, their no, no, orders I, I like early I'm, from early purchasing. Honey, honeymoon phase as, as – <laughs> As tracked and 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 and, uh, and maintained. I, I don't know about analytics. when when you got married, but I still feel like you marry someone, yeah. and you're you're kind of allowed to say that you're in a honeymoon phase for like roughly the first year of your marriage. Like yeah. the honeymoon phase, according to Google Analytics, is like sixty three hours. And then the topic is dead. Well, so <laughs> Galaxy S twenty four. It's been out for over two days. Dead. <laughs> it's because people stopped looking 
I don't believe that anymore. I, I, yeah. I agree with you. Like in years past, when I was running analytics at Pocket Now, I feel we could see the sort of follow through on an audience. I believe now algorithms decide for oh, viewers this topic is dead and now you're just before it even starts exactly yeah. it, it, because the algorithm shoots a very 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 small number of followers that have maybe checked the bell and all of that stuff in your subset and if for some reason that specific portion of your let's say 180 200 300,000 subscribers don't like the topic that you were generating in this video but maybe others would have yeah the algorithm assumes the rest of your 180 to 200, 300, whatever, don't like Never, Never need to see. And yeah. so it never gets pushed. Or if it does get pushed, it's on such a slow play, it, they won't even see it for like a week later or something like that. So the, yeah. the concern that I have is like Jermaine and I were talking as well before. Like he doesn't even get notifications of my videos. Yeah. Like he's subscribed. Do, do, do like, you know when, when I see when you put out videos? Because I, I am your friend. We regularly break bread together. Absolutely. We've been yes. known to cohabitate in like similar locations at the same time. Oh, dude, that the chicken only... sandwich this week. Well, before I forget that chicken sandwich, it's freaking oh, epic. So it good. It is epic. Vanya loved it. I loved it. I want to go get more of it. I just M Marie started... M Marie was like, yeah, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try a slice. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's it. And I told you it was going to be exactly like the, the Mediterranean place that we have over here that does those like garlic sauces. Yeah, yeah. Where if we, we both need to eat them because then then it's okay. It's okay. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, there's like I can't smell anything else. So if I go to kiss my wife and she's had the garlic sauce and I've had the garlic sauce, then we're both fine. We're immune yeah, to the garlic sauce. <laughs> um, but yeah, she like she had the zing. You know, she took a bite and she was kind of chewing. And she's like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was such a good fight. It was like, it was I, I, so I good. It, I came over because by the time I got her home, Vanya saw it and she's like, wait, it doesn't. Like, you had hooked me up before. I did not understand that Lebanese flatbreads and pizzas were such a distinct very culinary different. diversion from Italian style. It looks similar. And pizzas. Nothing close. No, I mean, so obviously in the region of the world, there are oh, yeah. some similarities, but, but this is also one of those things that like, I absolutely adore that. I share this with more Mediterranean and middle Eastern cuisine is like so much of Mexican food, like real from Mexico food is influenced from that area of the world. The way that we do tacos is in the, the trompo comes directly from oh, like yeah, Lebanese exactly. influences. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. So so it's incredible. Like it's my my that as a shawarma place. Every time I pass it, I'm like, and they're like, <sighs> nope, that's yeah, not a shawarma place. But it looks like it. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's got a giant column of meat. I'm there. But my my grandfather's family, yeah, also has a huge has huge roots from Italy. Mm -hmm. So like so many of the little culinary things that we take for granted as being like Michoacan and, and like central Mexico and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. You're like, and then I find really, really good, like Persian or Mediterranean or uh middle Eastern cuisine. You're like, Oh, this is like a cousin of the food that I really, really it's like. Fun it's because so it's good. relatable, but the surprise is when the flavor hits you. See, here's the thing. I've been to that place so many times. I go there specifically for the time and for the cheese. I typically never look at their sandwiches. But your selection <laughs> made me try something that from garlic chicken. that I didn't even know I should have. Now I do more. 
So yes, so good. And I think it got better on day two. It did when all that sauce kind of like marinated and oh, it was so good. Uh, We got yeah, sorry. We got the tech preacher. Sorry, I just want to do a couple shout outs. We got the tech preacher jumping in to say what up, peeps. I would like to hear your response to this as someone who has spent some time with the S twenty fours, and that I am an insufferable Samsung hater. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Ghost Star Scream has a comment up here. To be fair, I feel like Samsung shoot themselves in the foot by releasing the S24s just right before Apple releasing their mixed reality headset. Because Apple has a mixed reality headset Mm -hmm. that does virtual reality and some augmented reality, reality. but through a mixed reality pass-through. There aren't any brand names for things like that that I can think of. It's just, we call that mixed reality. Um, I would like your thoughts on this because I'm going to also preface what Ghost Starscream is saying here. I think Samsung was between a rock and a hard place mm-hmm. because Xiaomi and Vivo and Oppo were so early in releasing their phones. I don't think Samsung could have waited for their more traditional S24 launch, but that, that yeah. does put them in a media blackout where all of the tech journalists are so impressed with Apple for a week before they go and return all of their mixed reality headsets. <laughs> That's apparently the big th- trend on threads right now. So do you think Samsung could have done anything to get ahead of this sort of, this, this sort of like rock and hard play situation? It's a tough place to be in. I mean, it, it was a, it's a week after CES. So they chose, and CES was already a week later than it usually is because of the whole yeah. the year starting and all of that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Qualcomm moving up their, their launch event to October shifted us tremendously but xiaomi vivo oppo oneplus didn't wait a second 2024 saw more 2020 sorry 2023 saw more 2024 flagships than we've ever seen in the past this is we used to see one like maybe two maybe two and like it probably a chinese only like but the reality Mm -hmm. is Samsung couldn't have done anything. If they waited to February, yes, maybe they could have circumvented the Division Pro. But then the reality at the end of the day, you know, then then the phones would come out at right after or right around MWC, which pretty much will everybody's coverage is going to start shifting. So it's a tough. You yeah. don't want to be too close to MWC. You don't want to be too close to CES. And the Vision Pro situation, I mean, we knew it was coming. And the reality is. I mean, Apple is just a media blackout regardless. I mean, Apple could drop a, you know, like what what was it? They made the announcement of the Vision Pro during um, the, the day of CES, was it? They said that basically devices, uh, they're going to yeah. Like, it, you know they do that. They troll. This, I, I really feel like Apple waited until there were some announcements from like Xreal. Yeah, yeah. Think, you know, like Xreal, I think Rokid, a, a company had announced that they were doing a partnership with Rokid. There's another Rokid station-like oh, okay. mini-brain mm-hmm. a company, and they're working directly with Rokid to put this I up know, on Kickstarter. I know was at CES, and then I, I yeah. talked to a few companies that they were And then also, yeah. we started getting a few of those TCL hands-on videos and stuff, and I feel like the second I saw anything like that in my feed, that's when Apple was like, by the way, our mixed reality headset, blah, blah, blah. Will be available and pre orders. I feel Samsung is already in a really difficult spot. They're treading water with phones that used to be the the standards bearers, that used to be the sort of crown jewel devices. S24 
S24 Plus, S24 Ultra are very iterative devices. I think they are improved. I think you can point to a lot of things that are better year over year over year, especially if you're coming from like an S21. But if they wait too long, then Xiaomi 14s in China, Vivo X100 Pro now finally being available in the EU yeah, again, no, but that's like yeah. you're you're screwed if you depend on that first week of sales so that you can put out all the positive press. Oh, we broke records with the S24 Ultra pre-orders because that phone isn't a phone that that sustains sales throughout the year. It spikes and then it drops off and, and more... you don't want to wait. Because in other regions, people will dedicate their money to stuff that's new and stuff that looks exciting. This is a bad time for Samsung to trust that their audience is going to stick around for them. Especially in the international market. I think that's more so in the international market than the U.S. In the U.S., Samsung has, I mean, the direct competitors obviously are, you know, Pixel, OnePlus, and Moto for the most part. Um, and when you talk about international, you're right. Yeah, Xiaomi's releasing the 14 series, right? That That is MWC's mm -hmm. thing. Um, we know Honor's going to be launching. I, I know officially this is not available internationally yet, the, the Porsche Design V2. Uh, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's probably going to be part of the conversation where where the, where that's going to be the special edition ones. But the the biggest thing that I'm, I'm I think they don't want to be put head to head is launching a phone at the time as at that time is hard. The coverage is so scattered. There's so much information coming out. You'll definitely, yeah. even if you make an impact, you're not. You're not going to make an Apple impact. You're going to make a Samsung as competing with other brands, which that's why they separated from MWC. That's why they no longer are connected. They've to, always tried to stand apart, but they're yeah. still getting buried in the wider uh, in the wider consumer coverage. I feel like, especially for the folks that are in our chat right now, and we've just had a few other folks show up, uh, Septian, uh, Golan, Simon Says Hypno, just some some fun. Steve Pogue in there. Everybody say, say hey, and we're, we see you in the chat. Um but the uh, this this audience, people who will actually pay attention to sort of launch strategies, um, I, I had the benefit of joining our buddy Rich, uh, mm -hmm. Rich DeMuro. He still does an old school radio show that he yeah, then yeah. repurposes as a podcast. And I love like old school media. Like I have to call into his show. It's so cool. Like I miss old school media like that. But you know, we, we've kind of struck out this like unofficial anniversary where a new OnePlus comes out. So one comes on the radio show to talk about this new OnePlus one. We didn't realize like we've been doing this for a couple years now. Rich, we should just go grab lunch sometime and like yeah, catch yeah, yeah. up in between OnePlus launches. <laughs> but, exactly. but like if, it, if it's not for something like that, then the general consumer conversation is mm -hmm. overwhelmingly apple centric here in the mm -hmm. united states and so that's where i feel like samsung is 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 gonna find so much uh so, so much friction trying to get their message out there at a time where their products are iterative they're not releasing new exciting things the company is in a very defensive position i think they're trying to improve profitability by making mm -hmm. less expensive design changes every every year mm -hmm. and that's that's difficult to talk about like i got to play with your s24 ultra just kind of hold it in my hands and poke around with an s pen and stuff like yeah. that and it's it's a nice phone it is going to be the best work productivity truck phone of the year it's what the 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 galaxy note mm 
is always that that device. I don't know how to tell that story year over year over year. You know, it's kind of like one model of Toyota Camry. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, in this from like 1993 to 1998, it was the same body style with minor trim differences. You don't review the Toyota Camry from scratch every no. year. You, you wait just, for yeah. the major body changes or the major trim changes or something like that. And Samsung hasn't given us a major trim change since the S20. <laughs> well, because, okay, so I think the, the approach that Samsung's going through right now is somewhat working in a different direction because I think for the longest time we used to have S-series and Note series. S-series mm-hmm. are more curvy. They are not as, as boxy. Then we shifted over and then the Note became the S and or really became the Note. And now you're you're right. We're in a what we typically would see it as an iterative update. The updates, I think I'll I'll say the the biggest difference with, for me from last year to this year was the flat display. That took some adjustment for me. I mm-hmm. I personally like curved edges. I like the the smoothness of the of the edge when I'm actually putting my phone. I don't like hitting a sharp edge as I'm going onto the phone. I I typically sure. I'm I'm more used to starting somewhat lower than the display. It's just a muscle memory. Most of my phones, even with the uh, the Find X7 Ultra. Um, other than and I, and and obviously the software f- features that we talked about as far as the AI and stuff like that, some of that's coming down to the S twenty three series. It's not necessarily very specific to S twenty four. It's a hard sell to say S twenty three should upgrade. I, it's also a little bit harder to say S twenty two should upgrade to the S twenty four. You're right. Maybe S twenty one, maybe S S ten should be the this or S twenty or even S ten should be able to consider well, it. You know, I'm I'm gonna say if you're on an S twenty two. Normally, I'd agree with you, but if you can get away from that Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, I think you will be very pleasantly surprised by the battery life improvements. To me, that is now enough of a mission. Yeah. Look at trading deals. Look at selling your phone. Make the effort. And I'm saying Mm -hmm. that across the board. If you have an Axon running (laughs) Snapdragon 8 Gen 1, if you have... An yeah. X80 Pro, great phone for its time. It's also running a Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. If you have the Moto Edge Plus 2022 HN1, if you have the OnePlus 10 Pro, try to look at your options to flip your phone sooner than you might have needed to otherwise. And I think you will be very pleasantly surprised by the performance uptick in the battery life. But that that is that is unique to the silicon industry not necessarily yeah I, no, I, mean, I feel there are people out there with like note and s10s that are maybe looking at like the small changes from s20 to s24 going i guess i could wait another year my uncle was on an s9 until the end of last year where he finally decided like nah it's time i got a new phone from my galaxy s9 and he opted for a Sony. So, like, our ability to... My mom's on a OnePlus 6T. <laughs> She's still... Like, we still haven't, like, convinced her, like, nudged her over to get, like, a, a new phone. I, I think we might see if, she, if she'll dig on, like, the, the OnePlus 12R. I think the 12R is a very compelling recommendation but, for anybody... But, yeah, in yeah, I, I, we've got we've got videos and reviews on the OnePlus 12R. That wasn't like me saying we should we should like talk about oh, the 12R. Like, I mean, we've got other stuff I, that we I, want I to talk about. But to kind of wrap it up, though, I feel like Samsung 
really didn't have any option to go anywhere else. They either would no. have to wait all the way till March to be able to do something just to kind of jump over everything else. Way too then, late. Well, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But by then, you're like way too late to the conversation. Um, I think January was the right move. Uh, I think the the best move that they could have done. And um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a weird year. This is the adjustment year for all of us because we're all shifting earlier. Like the mm-hmm. Find X7 Ultra, last year was launched after MWC by like two, three weeks. Now it's already launched and it was uh, basically, I think, launched right around CES even. So they moved it quite early. Um, OnePlus yeah. did it early January, uh, early February for the 12R. Like we already have OnePlus devices landing in people's hands. So this is, um, it's a tough year. It's a tough year for for, for sure. I don't know how the, the, second, the last part of the year is going to go. But right now, I'm just waiting for that second shoe to drop and for us to find out that Sony has a launch event coming up very soon or something. Like, this is literally that one where I feel like we don't, we don't have to wait to April and May for Sony anymore. I feel like Sony should show yeah. up in April or in March. You know what I mean? Like, that kind and of earlier conversation. We, like, we had some chat in here, too, between uh, Farhan and Simon. Like, right now, there's a little anxiety there, too. Uh, there are people who would not be surprised. Farhan made this comment specifically. Wouldn't be surprised if... Sony started vacating the North American market. Like maybe they've got, they've got a commitment with Qualcomm for the next several years. I'm not saying leaving smartphones, but if you know your phones are going to sell like hotcakes in Japan and China, why make any more stock than you need to just to sit on in warehouses in the United States? Like sell your phones where people buy your phones. We've all, we've had that, that shift kind of started years ago. Like it's not even new. I wouldn't it, it, for them to do it now would not be a surprise. I'm not going to lie to you. It wouldn't be a surprise. Mm-hmm. I know we and, know China and and, China and Japan are their main market. Even Europe is a bigger market than ours, which is you know. And Jim Cleveland in the chat just validated my point. I'm still using my S10 Plus, and I don't see any reason to get anything else. The last Samsung I spent any money on, and it was like a couple years after it had come out because I got a great deal on Swappa, was the S10e. And oh my god! The one I'm good. One. Yeah, I know that the smallest. S- it's got a headphone jack and a memory card slot. This is really the only Samsung phone worth owning. Is the S10 peak Samsung? It is S10, and, and it was the only Samsung unpacked that I actually was invited as a guest by Samsung, not as media. Hey. I was actually part of their what they call it, the Samsung members so, account. And you yeah. can tell that it was the best Samsung because for the S20 and beyond, we've seen sales of Galaxy S plummet. So consumers, the market spoke. They were, they had a good recipe. (laughs) They had a really good setup and recipe going on year over year. The S20 was the massive shift over from the S10 series. And, and I I don't want to, I obviously, and I don't want to make an entire show about Samsung and so on, because obviously we have other cool things we can talk about as well. But the reality is that shift started a a very interesting um, experimentation phase for Samsung. Year over year, we see them changing. They're they're readjusting. They're putting things like they're trying to figure out the recipe again where they had it in the first place. They just had to build on it. And I feel like yeah. although the the S twenty three, S twenty four, S twenty two, they they stand on their own and they're good in what they do. Um, I feel like the ultras are primarily what everybody's going to be you know, thinking that they're getting, but mm-hmm. the S20, the standard model, I feel like is a stepping stone to the plus this year. They finally made the plus a legit competitor, a little to, nicer. Yeah, yeah. Like they finally realized like we lost features. Cause I think in the past, if I'm not mistaken, the plus used to have the QHD resolution display. 
and then yeah. they downgraded it to 1080 and then now they brought it back so you could yeah. see them the, the the brain behind the the, the you know the, the the behind the curtain work kind of thing going on they're trying to adjust and make things happen but it's a tough year. It's, it is. I think they're year. trying to moving. cut costs to profitability, mm-hmm. and I oh, don't no, think no. you can sustain that. Inflation. I think uh, inflation alone. The S twenty one. Yeah, might have been a good play at that because they really did drop costs mm-hmm. while removing features. They had a what? Didn't the S twenty one have a plastic back? The S twenty one plus was glass, and then uh, the I, I want to say yeah, the, Ultra Ultra was glass as but, well. I think that that's when they changed. Anyway, but, but that's what I mean is like the S21, they tried to make the cost argument. I don't think they've ever made the cost argument as well as OnePlus, but Samsung being in the position that they were, I felt like that was at least an attempt at something disruptive. Yeah. And then since then, basically all the prices have kind of gone up while the tech really hasn't improved that much. Well, so it was it was okay. So I think the first couple of years they were doing it more so to get us used to higher storage and higher capacities. I think this that was the that was the <laughs> well no because okay so I'll, I'll say this for the longest time two fifty six was always my sweet spot. I always I appreciated one twenty eight back in the day when that used to be enough from one one from sixty four, but two fifty six to me right now seems to look the right about the right amount of storage and um, I'm able to live with a with a device like that for quite some time. 128, I'm not able to. I, I filled that up too quickly and there's just not enough for me to be able to, like for, for my produ- for my work style to be able to produce content, manage and do everything from a device, 128 is just not enough. And what Samsung did the last couple of years is they did that free memory upgrade where people would buy a standard, like a regular price. Let's say they, re- they raised the price a little bit, but they bumped you up. They made you get adjusted to a bigger like you're now wearing bigger size pants and then you're adjusting to that. And the next year when you go over to, the, to try to get the new pair. I need pants, my bigger Samsung pants. No, but it just, it, if, you, if you manage it in that sense, you could see basically we're getting used to eating a bigger portion or needing more storage. So copy that with what's going on. Yeah, things are getting more expensive. Features are not getting as – they're not as as dramatic of a shift. The AI mm-hmm. functions and all of the things, honestly, it, it that may, I'll say the circles, sorry, the circle to search will get that wow effect for most people. But the reality is, I love showing people, it off on my pixel. Absolutely. No, no, but that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, they had that lead time for just a couple of weeks, not even a week and a half, maybe two weeks. I think that wasn't it days. I want to say it was days before well, it, we started seeing some people get the, that that pixel. Oh no no, Michelle Michelle does not count. I, I'm going to say this: if Michelle has the feature <laughs> two days after, I want to say that the the guy did a whole bunch of. That's fair. He is super. Early but but yeah, I, I'm 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 with you. It's like I think like it was a great question just to kind of keep us. You know, it, I I felt like this week's show was going to be rambling and full of tangents. Regardless, oh, we're still rambling. We're, st- we're still um, too old, dude. Rambling. It's not changing, man. It's good. Yeah. Again, this, that's that's kind we're of our gig. Turning anyway, into but, an S twenty series. <laughs> but oh, no, I, like I I I could not think of in my brain there is no better strategy than what Samsung ultimately did. And I think we would all say, like, yeah, it was kind of a terrible strategy, but, like, it was the best of all of the terrible strategies that that could have played out. It was the only um, it could have existed without having somebody else either next right next to them or like it was just a week before and also you you can't you can't be so precious with a smartphone launch because you're worried about a VR headset. Yeah, at some point we have to be able to trust some portion of the audience to understand yeah 
that like we can talk about multiple products at the same time. Yeah. Like when new laptops come out, we can still talk about podcasting microphones. Like it, it's like you've got to be able to compartmentalize and delineate. Like there are people who are casually interested in a lot of tech and maybe one thing is going to occupy their attention for a short period of time. But if there's a demo or a product category that is running right up against another major launch, then like you still just got to talk about it. Like, no, no, I, I, I absolutely. It, it's got to be okay to split focus a little bit. And the, and the consumer that's looking at a, at a smartphone is not necessarily looking at a mixed reality headset that costs 3,500 bucks before taxes. I, I love how everybody references it as a $3,500 headset guys with taxes. It's close to 4k. Like be, let's yeah. be realistic with this. Okay. The, sure. the, and, and, and the that's with 128 gig of storage. That not only and that, you just said, yeah, yeah. 128 gig is not enough. So I really, I, you got to step I, I, up. I will say that <laughs> Apple, Apple, Apple's venture into this, this foray of technology. Um, and, and of course, let's not try to forget that Zuckerberg tried it. And apparently quest three is the better mix is the better headset, which is... I, I had um, to write that up as an editorial, though. So, I don't know... I, I, I feel like it's immaterial at this point, whether or not you uh, uh, agree with or you disagree with his conclusion. Because I feel like I, okay. he is the CEO of no, Meta. I, I, I'm totally with... So there, there's a very fine line that I think a lot of us are not realizing. And what he was trying to pers- – I'm not trying to say that I agree with him specifically. But between the two pieces of tech, where they are now, where is – because remember, you're not – like I'll say this kind of like an analogy in the cars. Electric cars are becoming are, – there's more and more electric cars on the market. There's more companies putting in their mm-hmm. electric car options. The reason – Tesla still has somewhat of a market share advantage isn't because their cars are great. It's because they have the ecosystem for it. It's the thing that makes the car run. It's the thing that makes the system go. Apple Vision Pro is not a consumer product. To treat it and to to compare it and review it as a consumer-based product is just setting – we're setting the conversation up for failure. It, It isn't. Zuckerberg coming in and saying that the Quest 3 is a better headset, well, I mean, to a certain point, yes, he's right. I'm not going to say that he's not. Why is it better? It's not because it's a hardware-wise. It's the ecosystem around the Quest 3 that's around. Mm-hmm. The amount of game libraries, the amount of mods, the ability of connecting it to your PC. It's such a flexible piece of tech. It is absolutely, mm-hmm. for me, if I was to recommend any piece of tech, even if they asked me, I want the best of the best, I would definitely go Quest 3 over Vision Pro. Would Quest 3 be the only yeah. option? No, but I'm just saying if I have to put the two together. So, so I, I wrote up an editorial kind of talking about what you're describing right yeah. there where I feel like it's so much more important that someone from a company, not Apple, stood up and said, we like the product we made. I want everybody. So so we've got we've got some people in the chat right now. Yeah. I'm going to put out a question. And if it takes more than like 60 seconds to get an answer, I'm going to be pretty sure that someone just pulled up another browser tab and they're cheating. But right now, from memory, everybody in this chat, tell me what you know off the top of your head about HTC's most expensive VR headset. Go. Now, TK and I are going to talk because there's obviously a little bit of a delay between when we say and when we see things in the chat and stuff like that. 
but there is a complete and total vacuum around the Vive. And the Vive is a premium piece of hardware. So why isn't it more a part of this conversation? And it is because of the LG effect. They are not putting the same money and marketing and efforts behind they're not their product. They, they will they're be not... at MWC. They will be at MWC. And I can no, point so, to exactly but this, this is it. They show yeah. up and they make yeah. cool stuff. LG showed up yeah, and, and made cool stuff, but stuff. then hired like Joseph Gordon-Levitt to play drums in a subway to advertise the LG V20. And it had nothing to do with any of the features on that phone. So it, it's it's the correct move. I'm not a fan of Zuckerberg. I'm not a fan of Meta or Facebook. I really no. wish Oculus wasn't owned by this um, yeah. blob of yeah. a big tech company. But a CEO who is not in charge of Apple went out there and said, we're doing something really cool and you should pay attention to it and kind of put tech journalists on notice. Yeah. You don't know anything about VR if you're just casually putting out there. Like, um, I've seen so many... Apple mixed reality headset reviews that are like, well, obviously it's better than the Quest. And they can't quantify what that means. But that is just a knee-jerk statement you put in the middle of a review to stroke the egos of Apple fans. Mm -hmm. Because it's so expensive. Well, obviously it's better. But how? And to hear Mark Zuckerberg actually break things down and say, like, well, look, we're not doing stuff with this motion blur, but obviously it's kind of cool that they're using higher quality. I mean, he's actually, like, digging into the specifics on how all of these headsets are different. Well, no, no. The, the, and the, he's making, he's trying to make an argument that that tech journalists are dropping the ball on. Is you're really going to give me a comparison? There are very, very few people I follow who I would really trust what they have to say about VR headsets right now. Like, I'm hoping Jeff Kanata over a DLC pod, mm -hmm. I think, I, I hope he's getting a Vision Pro, because I'd really love to hear his thoughts. That dude has owned every single VR headset that's ever been put out. <laughs> like, from, like, Sony PlayStation VR 1 to various incarnations of Vive and Oculus, and mm -hmm. I think right now he's mostly gaming on a Quest, that's a guy I would trust his opinion on the differences between these these different products, but like there aren't many other people, and there certainly aren't many Apple journalists that I would ever trust to give me a fair assessment of the VR landscape. No, they, they will brand fan for Apple, and that's mm -hmm. great. Apple fans love to hear good things about Apple, but they don't know WTF they're talking about when it comes to VR. Because I've been in this space since the early like 90s arcade days <laughs> this is how desperate i've been oh my for god what was the one that then. nintendo put out the uh virtual boy the virtual boy oh my god it was such it's terrible a... it's terrible it's horrible oh it like gives you immediate yeah. migraines so I, I just want to see here in the chat yeah. so um i asked what they knew barry johnson says he knows nothing oh nothing about htc's yeah, they make great phones. Yeah. Um, no, terrible VR strategy, though. Absolutely. Uh, Septian says, not a damn thing. Golan's giving me a shrug. Simon Simon says, Hypno actually knows the name, kind of. Vive X. That's not the name, but it's close. It like, does stuff and is expensive. But is it expensive compared to a VR headset from a company that traffics in user data? Because HTC doesn't monetize user data like Meta does. 
So if you're subsidizing your hardware costs because you know you're going to get software devs on board, you're going to get those software dollars coming in, and it's tracking and scanning everything that you do in your home with those cameras, how much, how much is that? Because when you get an Oculus dev kit, it is substantially more expensive than getting an Oculus Quest. And why? Because you're not, they can't profit off of your user data on a dev kit, and you have to pay a subscription fee every year to keep you using your yeah. Oculus uh, um, dev kit. Uh, Ron Guido says, I remember it as being expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, Septina saying HTC is still in the game. Uh, Michael Peppertech, I know that HTC Vive is one of the only headsets to work with the user wearing glasses. So the Vive XR Elite also has um, mechanical diopters oh, built nice. into the headset. So depending on your prescription, you probably mm-hmm. won't need lens inserts. It'll just go zoop, 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 zoop. And like adjust to your eyeballs. I also really like the Vive's fan assembly mm-hmm. in, in a way that Apple tried to kind of copy. The cooling solution for the chips built into the headset blows air over your face. So you get way less of the old school VR like sweaty, sweaty eyeball. Face. Yeah. No. Sweaty first face gen, thing. First gen Quest had that issue as well. The second, the third gen got a lot better. Um, the Vive, my last experience with the Vive, unfortunately, was at, not unfortunately, but it was just so long ago, was at MWC a couple of years ago. You, you go in, you go up, mm-hmm. and you're, they're right out the stairs. And I forgot, I want to say the Hall 3, probably, or maybe Hall 4. But, like, it's hard to miss. They have such a big yeah. presence in that area. Um, look, the Vive and HTC have our, our light years ahead. Uh, and Quest Pro is also, to a certain point, a much more clo- more more of a professional level piece of equipment. I've tried the Quest Pro and I got a chance to to see how that was with uh, with Qualcomm. I think it was a couple of years ago at at Summit, mm-hmm. where I, and, I, and I still this is this is again my my only sticking point to this is this is not a product though the the Vision Pro is not a product. It is not intended to be sold as a product. It was supposed to be sold. It's for a the really product. it's an it's a really product. sexy it's yeah. a sexy dev kit. Yeah, yeah, and it is. It's exactly what, what it is. When the announcement, when Tim made the announcement, he called it a dev kit. It's a developer. It's it's a, the the hardware was meant for developers to be able to start building applications. So, I appreciate what Zuckerberg did. Again, not necessarily agreeing with everything he said, but I agree with the. If there was a choice between the two, I would absolutely recommend the Quest Three over purely from the sense of ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Somebody going into a Quest Three will enjoy the experience way more than somebody going into. Uh, being a super, super, super early adopter. On a so I, I, I feel like this is on us as yeah. techies. And, and, and I don't mean you and me specifically. I mean, everyone here in this oh, chat. No, like if, if we think that there's some potential in face computing, I think that there's a lot of potential in face computing. And I'm really I excited do. that maybe we'll get back around to having good heads up displays. But yeah. this is exactly where we need to be leading conversations to say the Quest does this. And the HTC does that, yeah, yeah. and Apple's headset does this, and none of them are like the end point. Like no, these are all no, no, no. very small steps on a journey that on should be playing out over the next exa- exactly. twenty years. But if we can't acknowledge, it's the same thing. It's the same like how both of us get frustrated with a lot of phone videos. It's like you're comparing this phone against this phone, but. 
you know, OneFone is really good at doing like documents and spreadsheets and, and like office work and stuff like that. And the other phone is better cameras and is better at editing and rendering video. You would never offer both of those phones to the same consumer. Exactly. Like if you're really listening to people and they say like, oh yeah, I had this issue wearing these goggles and you're like, well, what about a headset with cooling and diopters? Wouldn't that be a, an improvement for your situation or, Oh, you know, I was really getting the screen door effect and it was giving me migraines. Well, like, well, unfortunately you've got to spend more if you want better resolution, but there's a solution for that. There is an option for that. And that's what we're not doing. And that's what I, I, I have to give Zuckerberg kudos where again, I'm not a fan of what he's done throughout most of his career, Mm -hmm. but he showed up to a conversation and he's leading a conversation where so many tech companies seem to like not want to ruffle feathers, take a take a backseat and let the market just sort of decide. That's the LG effect. LG left a total vacuum of perception of their brand, and that vacuum was filled by million plus subscriber YouTube influencers who used LG as the whipping boy in all of their Samsung and Apple coverage. And Zuckerberg was correct to at least try <laughs> to not let that happen to the Quest in light of all the media attention that Apple can garner for their very first developer kit mixed reality headset. That's true. And and I think to a certain point, I, I hope people are paying attention to it. But I, I at the end of the day, I really don't think a person that's looking at an Apple Vision Pro and even and I'm saying looking and considering buying it, knowing the price is not considering the Quest 3 in the same conversation. So I don't think he was really... Com- I, I, to a certain point, I, again, I'm with him. I, I agree the fact that he needed to make the statement. It was nice to see somebody stand up at his level and say, look, our product is definitely a better product. I understand and I appreciate what they're doing. We consider some of that, some of that tech for our existing hardware, but maybe come back down the future. He was talking in general well, like and, a, lot, a lot of... And know, the thing is, like, I, 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 I could have like reached out to shake his hand and give him the firm hand grip with actual eye contact because he brought up, yeah, we've been playing with some of this in like the quest pro, the quest Mm -hmm. pro did not sell well. And what was one of the main complaints? It's like a thousand dollar headset. Oh my gosh, TK. It's so expensive. What do people know about the HTC Vive? Either nothing or that it's too expensive and right now, like the the last week, I think it's been on like some like packaged bundle. So it's not cheaper, but you get like way more stuff with it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a third the price of a Vision Pro. Pro. So how expensive is too expensive? It, like for some reason, Apple is allowed to set their own market value, but everyone else has an opinion on, but that is too expensive and it should have been cheaper. And you're like, but it's better built. It's better balanced. It's got these really cool features. It's got all this new tech inside. It's got new chips. It's got this, it's got yeah. that. And, and it's not allowed. You're not allowed to sell a thousand dollar headset if you, you improved it. So I, again, it's like, he pointed that out. We've yeah. played with this technology. We we yeah, yeah. took this out of the Pro for the Quest 3, and we're probably going to put it back, but that is going to increase the cost on a Quest oh, no, 4. I, yeah, exactly. And, so, I, and, and I think I would expect it to be that, that type of tech, but 
again, at the, to, the end, to the end of the conversation, a lot of our tech right now has one major downfall we haven't gone over. They're heavy. They're big. They're not intended to be kind of like the early stages of what we had with the focal binaural or even with the, the Google Glass. Mm-hmm. It is that companion XR, AR kind of experience that we always want. We have better solutions for, X, for AR glasses now, and we get better experiences with them. They're lighter. They're smaller. But again, they're not intended to be worn all the time. It's, it's still that experience where you kind of go in, have fun with it, then leave. It's a side thing, not a main thing. So where we are right now, we're still years from where we need to be. I like the experiences. I like where we are now from where we were 10 years, seven years, seven or eight years ago. Because when, when Vive was first at the Android barbecue and I got a chance to play with it, I got motion sickness from it. Yeah. I didn't feel it right away. It was during the time when you had to have, you know, the two satellites, the four satellites and mm-hmm. your whole, you know, there was a mass amount of wires coming up. It was fun. It was absolutely fantastic. But I got motion sickness like there was nothing. The second, third, yep. third time, much easier, much better. But I feel like we're still, we, we need to kind of wait a little bit more to find out how the tech is going to evolve. Apple's going to probably release something way different than what the Vision Pro is. This is, again, the first bulky iPad that we first saw back in the old days. And now we see iPads in much different, more sleeker, different formats, different sizes. All of that has to change. But I feel like, again, you're right. This whole judgment of Apple makes it right. It just doesn't, you have to judge the tech for what it is, not for what it's going to be. This is a dev kit. This is meant for people to the developers to make apps for it. It is not meant for consumers to start or reviewers to, to compare it and say that this is this is a great investment. You should buy this if you want XR or AR experiences. Right. It's just it's not the right solution right now. I, I mean, just the idea that I want to wrap on that I on, on that point though is sure. I want to see any other company come out and say we like the product we made and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to try and share these experiences with consumers and not just let a lopsided tech press that depends on trend analytics algorithms to monetize decide for us mm-hmm. the value of our product. Exactly. And I don't like Zuckerberg, but he nailed it. He stepped up to a conversation and now people are more aware of this simply through the controversy of him discussing a competitor's product. And I can't get anyone to look at an HTC. Like they are not, they're, they're showing up, but they're not defining their product for consumers. They're letting other people. It's it's the same thing. Every once in a while you hear about a new HTC and you're like, what? You're still in the making phones? Like it's that type of conversation. It's like it's a weird, it's a weird approach. But no, I, I'm with you. But I'm but you. you've got to do more than just show up to a tech conference or show up to a trade show. You have to be a presence in people's lives yeah. and 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 join the conversation in a meaningful fashion. And sitting on a couch recording the video from a Quest Three is was exactly the right thing for Zuckerberg to do. And in light of the Vision Pro not having a killer app yet because it's a dev kit, well, I and, think and we're going to see iPadOS um, apps for the most part. But yeah, no. but but yeah, but because of that, I think we're actually going to see a, a, a tangible increase in Quest sales over the next couple months. Like I actually think that this that Zucker the combination of Vision Pro existing and Zuckerberg 
drawing such a stark comparison against Vision Pro and and looking at the price tags isn't going to hurt either is is I think it's going to help move that one topic. I really believe that uh Steam and Valve were looking at their partnership, their strategic partnership with Quest, knowing Vision Pro is on the horizon and also knowing that no one really wants to do business with Apple if they can help it. If you don't have to do business with Apple and give them a 30% cut of everything that you do that they don't help you out with at all, you don't do business with Apple if you can help it. But if you have 20 million quests out in the ecosystem and now you have much better support for Steam and Steam VR, and that's peanut butter jelly time and both companies are benefiting from that, you have real killer apps. You have real killer services to draw people in and get them interested in more than just the occasional dabbling with a headset that's going to collect dust after that first week. It is. And and I think because of the fact that it is, I, I think, I think we kind of covered the two point. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I think where we have it at this point is we got to wait and see um, quest quest. Definitely. will get a little bit of a bump and well, you know, I think vision pro. Yeah. It, <laughs> I no, no, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I tried thinking of some type of way of justification of this. They're functionally a way to make something like you can't cover the piece. You can't cover it from the sense of accessories. You can't cover it from the sense of longevity or even support because nobody's going to spend that much money. The reality, it is overpriced. It is purely development and it is just there. That's it. I think that's where we need to leave it. Um, but I feel like a lot of us love to be able to translate, you know, kind of like in the days of Nexus. We loved getting Nexus devices because it was cheap development hardware that right. was crazy powerful, easy to mod. But it wasn't designed for consumers. And then, you know, we we're all like, oh, my God, pixels are so expensive. And th- this on. this needs to be the, the, the part of the conversation where we approach it with some intellectual honesty. Yeah. I, making a face computer is really hard. Mm-hmm. No one's nailed it yet. No, there, there is no shining example of this is the direction we're going to go. We're all still figuring out the basics. We're still trying to get the basics right. Yeah. And of course, seven years after HoloLens, 11 years after Google Glass, we're playing now with other AI hooks and gimmicks and monocles and X reels and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. No one's no one's found the solution yet we're they're this still is experimenting just, yeah we're stumbling all over the place and as soon as we see a few good ideas they're only available to a very select number of consumers because we still don't know enough about like how to change things up so that they fit people's faces better like we're we're we have over a century of experience in making audio systems and headphones and earbuds and all this stuff and there is no one size fits all perfect earbud that just doesn't exist we're like at the beginning of making you know like record players and lacquer to translate wiggles and plastic into acoustic information that's like how how far back we are in in the world of face computing like we could be in in for our next hundred year journey here like not in our lifetimes this might still be kind of terrible when i shuffle off my mortal coil and just be like oh i thought this was going to be really cool in star trek but i used to gotta wear these like bulky glasses and it's uncomfortable like that's we, we, we that's how this could still play uh, out. approach to ar vr 
we're we're still light years, you know, many many galaxies away. But um, so yeah, I think we've we've kind of nailed that that, that subject to a certain as as best as we can in in the amount of time we have. But um, you and I kind of both talked about a lot of stuff going on the last couple of weeks or so about NOS and upgrading NOS and getting access to you know building up and trying to improve our experiences and um. Obviously, you know more since you and I have been talking behind the scenes and stuff like that. But I finally got my my. <laughs> it is such a long. It took so long to upgrade my NAS. I was I I've hit my limit on my on my uh, uh, rate five. Um, I think it was like a total of ten gig, ten terabytes of storage, and I was about eight point one, eight point four. So it was starting to hit that red. The system was starting to give me all the warnings. Okay, you're getting close to you know, critical here. It's, this is, you know, the, the library is not going to be that, that reliable if you keep putting more and more. Um, so on that matter, I decided to take a dive and I picked up a few uh, 20 terabyte drives from, uh, from Western digital, uh, basically red drives, but the red pros. And the only reason I decided to go with that over the Seagate, cause I know you recommended the Seagate very well was because Western digital had like such a cool deal for two. You get, if you buy two of them, you get to have um, uh, each drive for two ninety nine. So it was basically a twenty terabyte uh, Western Digital Pro Red for three hundred bucks a, a drive, and I could not resist. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I could not resist that opportunity. So I picked up four of them, and then I, I, I as soon as I started getting them, I started rebuilding. So I started drive swapping, and oh my god, does that take forever? Like the first drive was nine and a half hours, maybe 10. The second drive was 13 to 14 hours. The fourth drive, the the second through the fourth took forever. Yeah. Like it's the best. And and that wasn't even it. That wasn't even it. By the time I was done with the last drive and I was done, I was like, okay, great. I look at my NAS and I forgot that I still have to expand the the volume. Um, And it still said eight terabytes with with 8.1 terabytes by 10. And I'm like, wait, I, and it, but I, I can see the drive capacities. It's because the the the, the volume hasn't expanded. It's it's essentially mm-hmm. using bigger drives, but it's still assuming it's the same volume. Well, because all of that data has been striped across exactly. these drives, and yeah, they yeah. it has created a volume of data. And to change the volume of data, you have to restripe. Oh my god! Across all of those drives, <laughs> close to so long. Hours. Yeah, more. And I'm not going to lie to you. That last part of it got me scared a little bit because as it was finishing the, 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 the drive expansion or the, 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 uh, the volume expansion, it made it look like it was empty <laughs> yeah. for a little bit. And I was starting to panic. I was like, no, no, no. And then of course it came back. Um, and then, then I, and, then, and now, now with the storage capacity. So, the, the the lesson behind that is essentially is obviously there's, there's a couple of things. First, it was my connectivity to it. I was having a hard time connecting to it because I was still using the GUI interface that comes with not, with QNAP. Oh yeah, yeah, which is cool and all, but like you should just pretty much connect to it over directly over the network and, and map the drive to mm-hmm. it. There's no reason to use the web browser or use Chrome as a as a portal into it. Um, once I took that out and I got the library updated and everything was in, then I had to figure out what do I need to do with those extra, with the four terabyte drives that I had in my old, in the old configuration, right? I had four, four terabyte drives sitting there. Um, so I decided to pick up a, a slave, um, like a dumb NAS for the, for the lack of a better term. So essentially it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a NAS that you would run if you were connecting directly to a PC and let the PC manage it. So there's PC software yep. there you run on there. 
but it it was also a perfect combo because it connects over to USB 3.1 to the QNAP uh, NAS that I have. And now it's actually, I have the the, the main partition, the main volume, which is the, the, I think it was like 54 terabytes. And then I have this subset of it, that old NAS configuration that I had, which was about 10. So I, getting more storage basically and having them connected to a better ethernet so I have better connection to my PC. So now it feels like I'm just transferring over from one drive to the other. I have the higher speed, I have performance, the throughput, the higher uh, L2 cache on that. I'll say this. It, it, it is, I'm happy that it's done. <laughs> um, backing well, it up took, my, it uh, took me a while. I, cause like mine, I, I have a three bay yeah, yeah. and it, it's like, now I just tell people like, it's great if it gets done faster, yeah. but if you're swapping drives and then really getting to maximize the storage, you're not just setting up new partitions because you could do that. Mm-hmm. You could it's keep that volume. eight terabyte volume and then have like another 30 or 40 terabyte volume separate. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you could. Um, and I'm telling, I, I've told a couple of people now, cause my parents have a uh, four terabyte NAS mm-hmm. and you're like, when you expand that, I want to count on like a half a day, like 12 hours per drive. Yeah. And again, this is highly dependent on the amount of data, but roughly ballpark in this. And then another whole day just for rebuilding. If you want to make that one big bucket that then you can kind of portion out in different ways. So like with three Bay NOS, I was about four days. It was about four days to like really manage the entire transition through all of those. At some point I'm probably going to go to a more like corporate grade, like get like an eight Bay or something crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, excited about when i'll eventually need to do drive replacements and knowing is like oh this is going to take me 10 business days to accomplish having having the old nos the old nos configuration now in a the tr004 it's another four bay drive uh kind of like a sub um a slave to the main nos um makes it so that it's easier to 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 transfer and it, I can technically take that out disconnect it from the main NAS and connect it directly to my PC and just run it because yeah. it's already in RAID 5 I don't have to do anything to it it's already in configuration I formatted it I renamed it I got it ready basically it's it's as good as it's going to get with the configuration meaning that I can actually move it around easier I don't because it doesn't have network connectivity it doesn't have the built-in processing uh, power that's the, yeah. the main thing I meant when I say the, the dumb NAS it's it just doesn't have all the main sure. bells and whistles it has it's just an enclosure one, it has one USB C port on the back that's it yeah it's not it's it's not really a NAS it's an enclosure it's a multi-bay no, no. Enclosure. it's a it's a raid yeah it's a multi-bay enclosure with raid capabilities that you can run from your PC it needs a PC to to do all the right. all the bells and whistles, but the the big like I said the big difference for me was the throughput that uh, the improvement over the old uh, Western Digital Reds the regular Red Pluses not the Red Pros uh, because that wasn't a consistent seventy two hundred RPM uh, throughput it actually it's a variable uh, throughput so you get faster slower depending on what you're doing. The pros are much faster, and you're right; they're a lot louder. <laughs> they're a lot louder. Yeah, I, in, in so some I, of my like videos, you may be able to hear them. <laughs> I, I, I mean, like even for me, because like I keep my my NAS here on the bookshelf. I'm thinking of moving it out to the hallway where we keep our router, and just some, like there's there's like a constant heartbeat. Yeah, as it, the drives it, are, something is writing, something is going on. 
Um, but what I like about it right now, because I've, I've reconfigured it as well on my devices, and now I have my camera set up, uh, my camera backup automatic. So I've done that that function yeah. that I like, where now anytime I plug my phone and it's connected to Wi-Fi when I'm charging it, whatever it's that great. hour, it backs up all oh, my stuff. I, I need to set up Marie's because yeah, we yeah. have her on oh, that Pixel 8 now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I need, that I need to get her. And it, it's just, it's the way to do it. You don't have to worry about, God forbid, something happened to your phone. And you don't have to worry about cloud storage. Like, done. Yeah. You're like yeah. done and move on. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what a a plan through Google for fifty terabytes of cloud storage well, would I cost mean, me. <laughs> with 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 Gemini out with Google One, uh, you know, function options and all of that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I understand that the the shift that Google has, where they're trying to do everything on the cloud to a certain point. I think at some point they don't even need to have computing power on the phone if everything's connected, but. The the reality at the end of the day is yeah that that's an expensive that's an extra expense that's a hundred bucks <laughs> plus a year for storage on yeah. your data that if you don't have a good connection you can't even get access to it that quickly. No. This yeah. if I'm not at the office I'm in the car I, no, no, if I'm at the office my phone's connected to Wi-Fi and I, and I decide to plug it in it's backing up to my NAS at home it's yeah. accessible from anywhere as long as my internet at home is working. I'm good. And if yep. my internet is down, I still have the data because it's technically in my home. It's not sitting on some server somewhere. So I, mm -hmm. I think to a certain point, at some point, I may want to do a download, like a data dump from my drive or from my Google Photos yeah. and back that up down, or back it down to my NAS because I know that there's more there than it is on NAS. I'll, I'll be honest with mm -hmm. that. I'll be very, very frank with that. Way more content on the on my photos. I did I that can... a while back and then reorganized all of our family photos on the NAS. Yeah. And it's really nice. I, I mean, like, I, I stopped paying. The, the only cloud storage we still pay for is uh, OneDrive, but that's because it's bundled with Office. Mm -hmm. And both Marie sure. and I need Office for work. Mm -hmm. um, so we have OneDrive. I think my main account has like 300 gig and it's almost all photos and videos of Lex that we share with other family members. Uh, Farhan has a comment here. I'm still interested to do a NAS, but I'm still concerned about power outage. Um, once you start playing with more of this networked equipment, like I have a big battery backup for my workstation. You, you, it's like, you've got to upgrade an entire chain mm -hmm. of, office equipment. Yeah. And I would recommend putting all of that on some type of battery backup. So yeah. I have an uninterruptible power supply. I've also played with those big crate batteries. We have one of those under Marie's desk. Um, we have the, uh, the anchor seven, five, seven we're using yeah, as a UPS. I, under, I, I under used her that. Desk. I used that a, a week ago during our massive yep. power outage. First one and the second one. And, Actually, and I'm, it's I'm like worried you, about the next one too, because we may end up getting it again. <sighs> Well, we had a, a, a crazy uh, power outage last night, middle of the night. Oh, crap. Like, I came into the office and, like, my lights, mm -hmm. my lights have a physical switch and then a wireless um, controller. Mm -hmm. So when they the power gets cut, they, they, they get, they turn on yeah. because the power switch is on, even though the last command from the wireless adapter was to turn them off. And, like, everything, like, we had to reset all of our clocks and, and everything like that, too. Um, Cedric Owens, come over to the dark side of Unraid as 60 terabytes with parity. I, 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 60 TV is, is pretty sweet. Um, I, 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 I don't I know. 80, Have you played? I bought 80 terabytes of storage in, in that capacity. <laughs> but I will say having a, having a drive fail 
and having the ability of just replacing it with another drive because I've had a drive fail on me with within the four terabyte ones mm-hmm. that I had. That is the scariest yeah. thing, especially because again, data you have data there, and I'm not just talking files and stuff like that. I'm talking like memories and, and documents, depending on what you guys store on your thing. And in God forbids, in case of whatever in a, in a fire or whatever like that, if there was something to grab, you grab that with you. That's it. Right. It's no, but what he's saying is 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 yeah, un, he, unraid. He's yeah. not saying don't use a striped data. No, un, unraid is an operating system that you can run. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. On, I, on I hardware. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was the yeah. opposite of radio, uh, running. So, a, like, so, like, I, I think Unraid is something that you would want to use, like, especially if you were building. I, I, I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. I actually have some systems. I've been thinking, like, hey, it would be kind of a fun project. I still have some of my older drives, like, even back, like, I've got those four and six terabyte drives from my terrible Western Digital enclosure. And I've been thinking, like, maybe I want to try and build an Unraid solution and just see what it's like but ultimately it's like i really do use my qnap for work and it worked so well after those western digitals were so terrible and i plug these drives into my qnap and i fire it up and then i'm just working and i haven't had any serious downtime with my qnaps i've kind of like okay there's a cool hobbyist thing i'd love to try but i just don't have the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to really put one for, together. For me on my QNAP, I'm running it um, not only just as a file server, but also as a Plex server. So it's like it, it yeah. runs my media off of it. Like I can help, I host my some of my music libraries that I have in there. And again, it's the ability of being able to just download that whenever, wherever I am to save it on whatever device. And if I don't want it, yeah. delete it off the device because it's still on the NAS. It, it, mm-hmm. It's the, there's so much more f- flexible option. It's just, it's such a hard thing to get into because of the cost. I know the original time when I first set up my first NOS, it was, I want to say still close to about 1200 bucks because the NOS itself was 350, I think almost 400 bucks from uh, mm-hmm. BNH at the time. It sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And, and then I was running the, the four terabytes, which were about 150 to $200 uh, back then. Now they're like 84 if you can find them. But yeah, no, like right now, I think what I'm doing is I'm looking for a good deal on a spare 20 terabyte from from Western Digital. So I'm going to be on the lookout for that for a while because I need to have an extra spare yeah. sitting there. I I mean, what I am what I am also I am considering doing though is, so I have a few of my old spinning disk drives that are sitting in just enclosures, right? Like four bays mm-hmm. here, four bays there. I'm thinking of what I should do is get all of that content transfer that over to the to the four bay eight terabyte drive configuration make that the solution for that and then get yeah. rid of all of the old spinning ones because i'm pretty sure at some point they're just going to just die anyways and yeah and especially if you're not using them regularly no so, and then, yeah and, and yeah. But, but i also feel like it's taking too much space because there's like pieces of hardware everywhere so getting that consolidation done maybe over this holiday weekend would be a good project for me um yeah. my only thing right now though is i am somewhat in a, in a, in a mini not panic mode but more like Getting ready for MWC because I, I I don't know if I said this to many of you guys, but so I'll be I will be attending MWC uh, mm-hmm. going uh, leaving next Thursday um, uh, to MWC to be basically be try to be there a couple of days ahead to try to take care of some things ahead. As you know, shows like that always have pre pre event things for media and so on. Um, so I'm I'm in I'm in crunch time right now, trying to kind of like shoot videos, get content done. Uh, or do you know half work on certain things half work on other things things that we can't talk about yet right now and things that we hopefully mm-hmm. will be able to share within the next couple of weeks yeah it, it it's nice to be able to say hey my content is sitting on the nas if and 
I, I'm not going to lie. This is what happened to me truly as a story. I went to, to last year, I went to Hong Kong and I was in the middle of shooting a video for, uh, for one of the brands we were working with. I compressed the videos and I sent it over to our, our, our friend, Jermaine. He was helping me out edit the video at the time. And I forgot the drive with the original photos <laughs> at home. Now, yeah. had that been on the NAS, like I'm supposed to be doing it anyways, I would have been able you to download that over the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. It would have taken forever, but I would still get it. No, but even better is like, you wouldn't have had to have downloaded it. You could have just sent him a link. Oh, and absolutely. Let him yeah, deal yeah, exactly. with let, downloading. Yeah. <laughs> it I, never would have even it hit was, you. It was, it was during the time where he and I were working at <laughs> a mechanics where I sent him the compressed version. So it was a 1080p version of my footage. Luckily, though, that it was a 1080, not a 720, because it was still okay for me to post a 1080. Like you, you could have I mean? posted directly from it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I think that would have been my my favorite solution. Now, right now, that's literally every time I do it. Every time I download the content from the cameras and everything like that, I'm sending it straight to the NAS. It just runs off mm-hmm. the NAS. It, it, it's fast enough to be able to edit from it. So I'm working nice. directly off of the NAS, yeah. 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 So, uh, just just a a, a couple. Uh, Simon says, "Hypno, I have a Western Digital My Cloud Home, a bloody mm-hmm. awful purchase that is worse than the version before it. I might look into a NAS, but the expense worries me. And it's a big step, but I also feel like a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people start looking at I need to get a big drive to back things up, or I need to find like, and I a, have a, a yeah." a two bay solution. Like my uncle got a Western digital two bay that if he tried to chance transfer more than a gigabyte and he had, it was two 10 terabyte drives in a little two bay vertical enclosure. Okay. And if he tried to transfer more than a gigabyte of data at a time, it would overheat and shut off because the cooling was completely inadequate in their enclosure. He ended up just giving it to me and I ripped the drives out of it. And that's how I did like, two of the three drives when I did my 10 terabyte upgrades across my, my older NAS. I feel like a lot of people, unfortunately, start looking at spending a little bit more to get better solutions to back up their computers and to try and save their data and protect their data. And unfortunately, you kind of there, there's like a gulf in the middle. There's a lot of cheap stuff. And it's not very good, but it's cheap. So you're not that upset. Then there's a middle zone of stuff that's really not very good, but it's starting to get more expensive. And then you just got to take that next step into a solution that is noticeably more expensive, but really does the job that you were promised it could do. Yeah. And and it's just getting over that middle zone is, I think, the biggest challenge for so many consumers because it, it gets more complicated. It mm-hmm. gets more expensive. There's more to manage. Well, cooling cooling is a get, big big factor into this and in, in managing the, the the type of drives that you're also running with they have to be rated to be in the NAS system not at a you can't just well, it, rip it's, you know it's always yeah, a it's, you don't know what you're going to get it, out of it, those it's employees. not just the difficulty of like I got this box and now I'm going to use it and it's hard it's like you've got to learn like mm-hmm. what is it that I'm trying to accomplish and what are my storage needs really look like it's like you've actually got to do all that homework but then once you do I feel you get so much better capability that it's ultimately worth making that step, but it is a very intimidating step yeah. to get through. It, it, absolutely. So, um, I, we 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 uh, we should probably wrap. Um, kind oh, of talking. I was, about, this I was week. about to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, we still have the red. No, 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 no. I don't mean. I don't mean to like push stop immediately. What I'm saying is getting into our last little bit of our conversation this week. Um, you've been playing 
with a crazy folding device. Uh, yes. Um, that I'm sure have, you have a lot of thoughts on. <laughs> I do have a lot of thoughts on. I, I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of admiration, a lot of, um, a lot of appreciation as to what Honor's been able to do with the V2, especially the RSR. It, it's an interesting name. So the RSR V2 uh, Porsche design. It's a collaboration with Honor and, and Porsche to more of an elevated experience as to the V2 that's already been out. So this is a, a device that Honor released. We saw it in a Chinese version of it. And I think finally it's coming to the global market. And sorry, the, the biggest thing that I liked about it is the hinge mechanism, the thinness of the device, the functionalities that we get there, the desktop experience that we get in there, um, pen support on the inside, external display. Um, gaming on it is actually surprisingly very nice. The transition from inside to external display is so smooth and so seamless. Like in the nice. middle of playing a game, in the middle of playing Call of Duty, Genshin Impact, uh, PUBG, whatever, you can flip it into a standard phone and it becomes like a regular gaming you want to flip it over to a bigger display, open it up. The game continues. It's 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 literally that, like that transition effect was really, really nice. Um, it's not perfect. There's some things that I feel like probably need a few more software optimizations done in there. Specifically, I think with Magic UI 7.2, we still don't have swipe down to open notifications. I feel like that's something that Honor, like I, that would make me install a Nova Prime on it just to be able to do swipe down to open the notification panel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hoping that something up, I mean, I've, I've voiced my opinion with that one. Hopefully we'll, we'll see if there's any input into that. But with that, I think as a piece of tech for what you're able to do, check out the video. I put out some content there as far as gaming and it's focused on photography on it. I, I, and I did also kind of focus on obviously unboxing it, showcasing the pen functionality that we in there. But the main focus where cameras are pretty decent for what we get from, a, from for foldables. I still think the open is much better. Like as far as a camera foldable experience right now for 2023, even into 24, mm. The open is is really the camera system is hard to beat, but it's pretty good. This actually okay. So where remember when we talked about the fact that the open felt like a phone, like a regular slab phone. Yeah. When it's not close, when it's not open, this feels more even like more. A, even more. <laughs> like I don't know. I didn't think they could slice it thinner, but they did. Like the phone is substantially, and I and I showed it to you when we saw each other last week for lunch. You saw how thin that thing is. It is crazy, like seriously, how Honor was able to do it. But yeah, it felt like the very first time I picked up the Surface Duo One, and I couldn't believe it was that thin, and it's even thinner than the Surface Duo One. And and it's light, and it has it doesn't have like a lot of weight to it. But I I will say the there there's the standard version, and then there's obviously the Porsche design. The Porsche design includes everything that you need from Honor, like a leather case, like a leather back case, the pen, two chargers in the box. Like God help us, right? We're we're struggling with with no chargers in the box, but the the V two Porsche design gets two. Has regional chargers in the box. Like it, it's basically like uh, you've elevated yourself to a certain status. Where like, where am I going today? I will pick that charger. You know what I mean? Like. This is my trip. Like for Barcelona, that's the charger I'm taking. Um, no, no, no pun intended. Actually, that is going to be the charger I'm taking because that's the European charger. No, but like, Heck yeah, it surprised me. Uh, I'll, I'll be very honest. I wasn't expecting it when it showed up. I was like, wow, like wow, like really wow, like wow, wow. And um, it's still it's still very very nice and very surprising. Uh, so yeah, no, uh, check out the video and, and it's it's on. I posted it early this week. Um, I think it was like uh, the Monday or Tuesday, and it it really is a surprising piece of tech. 
absolutely gorgeous design. Um, I feel like some software optimizations can help the experience, especially with, um, I think Magic UI is great, but it still still hasn't felt like it had that major uplift from when we used to see it back when it used to be under EMUI. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it still feels like a slightly upgraded version of EMUI, but I want it to feel more honor specific as opposed to a derivative of what we used to get before. But I like it. I like it. it it's a good rugged piece of tech to a certain point. <laughs> I'm trying to build well, this. I'm I, trying to I'm trying to set up the the rugged conversation. So I oh, we don't we don't need to spend too much time. Like we knew this was going to be a rambling podcast, and we dedicated a we, bunch to Samsung rambling? at the beginning no. of this. Yeah, um, that was. But the, the I, I, the I am working with the folks at GTAC, and I'm coming to the to the end of my time with this just gorgeous, absolutely stunning example of like rugged military grade laptop and I'm, portable I'm computing you're able to experience um other it's, some of the other ones other brands that because we both worked with um panasonic panasonic the, the, the tough, tough series book, yeah the tough book series. and i will say that i've seen many more tough books now but i feel like having other players in the market to be able to actually have devices like this is really nice it, it, it is absolutely so, look like like a, like a tank it's built like a tank yeah and and just it, it contributes to a part of this conversation that I worry we get fixated on a single trend. We kind of go like that's the only viable model to deliver mm-hmm. a product. And then these things become like crazy boutique niche solutions. B2B, yeah. But of, yeah, sometimes even B2B to, to a certain point. No, but I mean like there there is no consumer sales for GTAC just like there is no consumer sales for a Panasonic Toughbook. Like yeah. you can't just go to the website and buy one. Like that doesn't, that doesn't exist. Um, but there are so many good ideas here that I wish we could adopt some strategy for. Like think about going lower cost Chromebook, but built with slightly better modular parts and a slightly beefier, chunkier frame. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of parents and teachers would appreciate that kind of design. Um, I, I forget I want to say it's here in Southern California. I, I There was just like another news report out. I'm sorry. I, this is super foggy. I didn't really prep this for the show or anything. But uh, like school districts were talking about like, well, post pandemic, we're not going to be dedicating money to these types of like Chromebook programs anymore. Yes. I think and that was so, the LUSD. There was, a, it wasn't so because they, bought but, so but, it was, but there was that. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so like, okay. Part of the reason why, though, is because, like, now that students have been going back into school, these devices have actually been facing more abuse and wear and tear, and these they're getting broken more frequently, and the repair costs are adding up. So they don't want to do a program of take your laptop home and to school. Mm-hmm. It only made sense to take your laptop home and then do online school exactly. for the costs involved. And you're like... If we had solutions, you know, like I, I miss the Galaxy Active. The Galaxy the Active, Active was built yeah. as this like hardcore construction worker premium phone, but like I sold so many of those things to parents. Like, you know, it's still got a good camera. It's a really powerful phone. It's got a great screen. You don't have to worry about buying extra cases or accessories for it. It just is the more durable device. Well, it's almost like the V20 and a bunch of parents love that. Where that, uh, oh, yeah. that milk spec A10G uh, back, the material that they were using. Exactly. Oh, yeah. 
but but like with the B ten even there are few more of these ideas like simply the ability to like hot swap a battery. It's got dual battery chambers, so you can pull one battery and replace it while it's still going. running off of the exactly. other battery. I mean, it's like there there is a market for some of this idea for some of these ideas. There there is a a small group of consumers that are completely overlooked. If they're more nomadic, like people mm-hmm. that are like, you know, RV or they love camping or they just they're outdoorsy or adventure kind of people. And like, yeah, you buy a super thin tablet or a super thin laptop and then it's on you to get the cases and protectors and bumpers and, and bags and screens. And, and like it's on you to make it the product that you really needed it to be Yeah, when you could have just bought the thing that you really needed Except for the fact that we don't sell those to consumers. So anyway, this is a, like, it's as far out there of a system as you can go for a smaller, <laughs> it's, it's a 12-inch laptop screen. It's like 11.7-inch okay. laptop screen. So, you know, this this looks like it's totally a, a point-to-point competitor against, like, a Surface Laptop Go. <laughs> If, but if, if the it, girl was supposed to be able to defend you from a, a stray bullet coming straight yeah, at you, but yeah, no, I'm for right. sure. I, I, I just like, I have acclimated to this so quickly. I, I feel so much more confident leaving the house with this. I've like written scripts just out at the park. And now I never want to put an, uh, a premium consumer laptop down on a concrete picnic table, like ever again. Mm-hmm. Like it just, the, the second you shift it around, if you don't have something under it, or if you got like little bits of dirt or grit, it's like, start getting I've seen people, yeah, I know. I've seen people out of the park with their MacBooks and you're like, why would you do that to a MacBook? But you know, when I have big chunky RoboCop lunchbox for a laptop, I don't care. <laughs> There's so much clearance and so much space and so much room and it's big and it's chunky and it's just it actually looks cooler now that it has a couple teeny little micro scratches on the casing. Like it's meant it's to rugged. have it. It's supposed to have. It's, it's supposed to yeah, you no, like rub you. some dirt on it. It's supposed to do that. Hey man, the, the last so. stuff book I got to, to check out from, uh, from Panasonic, I gave it a water shower. I took it in the backyard, put it on the ground and turned on the hose because they said I could do it. And I said, yeah. I will. So yes, I'm with you. No, no, I'm with you. Um, when, when is that, so are you working on a review, a tutorial, or how is that? Yeah, we're 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 um I'm going to be doing a video that is kind of in keeping with a consumer conversation, but we're looking at what are the good ideas mm-hmm. because there are really good ideas here, and when you have the space, you can do some other tech things with this. When you have the bigger frame, there are some other benefits that you can take advantage of. So I'm hoping um, I, I've, I've just uh, contacted the company back and they're like, we're wrapping up our little loaner here and everything. But um, I'm hoping it'll be out uh, the end of February. So mm-hmm. maybe not next week, but the week following after we kind of chat out um, any potential revisions. on Just the video. in time for MWC. But I'm I, like the timing is getting real precious. Like when when do we. I would say if you're able to push it to the week after, just so that the conversations kind of shift a little bit. But I think most of the big, big, not my big bang, but like most of the big announcements for MWC typically happen on day one. 
if not the day before. Yeah. So you're pretty safe if you're going la- in the latter part of the week. But I'm just again, me being. But see, that's also that that also be good for me because then I'd be able to hold on to it longer. Huh? So <laughs> I might need to delay the video. You might have to parlay parlay that a little bit. Yeah, I would. I would. I would not say no to a conversation like that. But no, I'm I'm excited to see that, and I saw that you dropped the. Uh, I just got the notification that you dropped the uh, the puro uh, uh, yeah. video on the Patreon side. So yeah, it's very nice. It's uh, it's always nice so to that, see some. That that should be going public either tomorrow or the day after. Uh, just a, another follow up conversation, just uh, protecting kids' hearings and protecting kids' hearing. And giving them better audio capabilities. Right. That's kind of how I'm going to be wrapping up my week. What what do you what do you got coming up? Because you've so, got to clear some of this content I, before so am, you go am, and get am, more stuff. I am absolutely clearing content as much as I can. I have one video in review right now. <laughs> I have um, tomorrow or maybe at the latest Saturday morning, I'll be putting out a video on a couple of brand new pair of speakers from Soundcore, the X600 nice. and the X500. Um, Again, they showed up. I wasn't even expecting them, but I'm like happy that I saw them. (laughs) It's this is an issue when things like I'm getting notification of packages coming, but they're like, you know, so um, a couple of really good speakers. So that's going to be the next video there. Hopefully the 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 video that's in for review gets approved. That goes in on Monday, probably. And um, I I have a a small mini PC, a Geekom PC. I think the a the mini air Two. I I keep saying the Mm -hmm. wrong, but. The Mini Air 2 video, that should be coming out next week. Probably latter part as I'm traveling. I'll probably post that video up. And nice. uh, a couple of surprises by the end of next week. I'll say that. <laughs> Woo-hoo! A couple of surprises I, for videos. I don't know what you could possibly be talking about, good sir. I, I you know, I... It's yeah, a complete I, mystery. I, I can't share anything, but I hope that we're you and I can definitely have a big chat I about that. I just can't can. point my camera down, down or else you'd see the things that we can't talk, talk about, about that don't exist. No, don't, they nope, nope, totally nope. don't. There's Absolutely. nothing to see here, folks. So. But yeah, no, no, it, it's it's going to be stay a, tuned. It's going to be busy. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of work. I'm stressing out a little bit. My watch says I'm stressing out, but not a lot. But yeah. Um, with that being said, I hope you guys, obviously, you know, we're, we're we actually are somewhat around on time. Um, this yeah. Was supposed to be Let's wrap this video. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely a chill week. We are wrapping up and getting gearing up to a lot more content. Next week, we're going to figure out how to do the the podcast with me Don't being forget so in, inconsistent in location. Um, but make sure to check, you know, and catch one on Monday morning's uh, podcast, of course, the SGGQA on this YouTube channel, as well, obviously, on Twitch and the uh, and the mm-hmm. Patreons and all of that. Um, and then we'll be back with another episode next week. Hopefully, at some at some point, we'll figure out. We'll let you guys know yeah. uh, with some more exciting news. I'm hoping we'll be able to talk a little bit more about what's coming up by then. Um, but definitely the week after, uh, as I, I'm going to be coming back on the 28th and then we're going to have yep. fresh, a lot of content, a lot of things to talk about. A lot. So a lot, a lot. I appreciate you guys. Hope you guys have a great weekend, a great rest of the weekend, holiday weekend, if you're celebrating it. And of course the audio version of the podcast will be up hopefully in the next day or so, but hit that like, and subscribe. It helps the channel and lets us know you For like sure. us because we know, we want to know if you guys like us. So you know. take care everybody. <laughs>